More exclusive interviews. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Brought to you by ElisaIlana.com. Here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for staying with us. Dean Dinning from Toad the Wet Sprocket. You heard part one last week. He's talking about their hits, including All I Want. So then you had a feeling about that song. What about the others? Did you have feelings about those two? Or? You know, I always thought that All I Want was a great song. Uh, there were people who wanted to leave it off the record. You know, you, oh. when you're trying to be cool, yeah. um, there's always a tendency to, to you leave the most pop thing you have yes. off a record because you feel like, oh, no, that's cheesy or that's right. not cool. I couldn't possibly. That might me. ruin that's our image. I, yeah. I couldn't possibly. So instead, we buried it. Okay. And we put All I Want on the record as like song number eight. Okay. You know, kind of like, I, I suppose we were thinking that nobody would listen that far and, and yeah. we, would, we would get away scot-free and no one would know that we had ever created such a cheap, you know, what we thought was such a cheesy piece of material and then the record company uh, Columbia, after two singles had, you know, made some progress for us, but they didn't really know what to do next they had this idea of kind of a why not, let's, let's release all I want and try and take it to top 40 radio and that turned out to be the thing that, was a good that, that worked. It also ended up in a uh, in an NBC promo for a TV show called The Round Table, um, okay, okay. and that aired during the Olympics, so that didn't hurt either. Yeah, wow. got it. When they wanted to release that as a single, at that point, was that easy for you guys to decide to say yes? Yeah, at that point, it was kind of like you know, if they want to try again and they want to spend the money on it, yeah, uh, let's go, go for, for it. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, now you guys broke up in '98. Glenn yeah. started a solo career. You and the others started the band Lapdog. Then yeah. you went on to produce other acts and kind of got off the road after that. So was that a hard decision? Because you know, when you've toured for a long time, it's hard to get off the road and adjust to a different life. It can be hard to get off the road, yeah. You know, I was really burned out on the touring side of it. I okay. had uh, gotten married in 1996 and was looking forward to spending some time at home and not being away from my new uh, hot wife. <laughs> so I really wanted a change. Um, okay. But then, uh, you know, Counting Crows called us up in 2002 and asked us to open about 15 shows in California. We were not even together at that point, but we mulled it over and, and said, yeah, I mean, it was a great opportunity. And, and they're great guys who we had known for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the right time to come back, and everyone had had enough of a breather. You know, we still we still didn't make it a full-term uh, reunion again until around 2006 or seven. Okay. But that was when it all kind of started to get back on track. Now, did you guys have creative differences or issues like that, or was it more just exhaustion? I would say that we needed a break, but we didn't need to break up. I think we got some not-so-great advice at the time. We definitely didn't uh, realize how special the thing was that we had created and that the music would last for people. And there were people who were uh, devastated when we broke up, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we all appreciate it a lot more now. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now when you get back together and you're at it again, everybody is probably at a different place. So are there things that open old wounds or issues from the past? You know, um, not so much anymore. You know, okay. I, I think we've all had a, the opportunity to, to get out and, uh, and do our own thing. And w- the band is what it is. And okay. uh, we don't need to make the band into something else. Okay. The band, multi-platinum selling, Toad the Wet Sprocket. The musician, Dean Dinning, bassist. Here on the Mulberry Lane Show.
And now you re-recorded songs that Columbia owned the original master, so you can start making money on your hits. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, that was, we put that out as an album um, uh, called All You Want. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's good. And explain that whole legal limbo that bands find themselves in. Well, yeah, you um, you know, a record company gives you uh, uh, the money to go in and make an album, which you then pay back out of your record royalties, but then you don't own the masters. So you have songs that you wrote and that you own the actual copyright of the written song, but you don't own the recording for which the song is known. Mm-hmm. We um, had gone through a negotiating process to get all, all of the rights returned to us to our songs, and at that point, we wanted to uh, have versions. Uh, you know, you, you start to look at this as a small business. Yeah. Yes. It would be nice to actually own the thing that, that we do. Exactly. <laughs> yes, completely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was really the thought process behind that. And uh, also things have gotten very complicated in terms of licensing for films and television. And, you know, we were not really a priority for for Sony. We had been off the label uh, for a long time. And uh, we wanted to make it easier for people to find us. And also we could record new versions, which we could license to people uh, at a more competitive rate than our old record company, who tended to overcharge for everything and everybody in the industry knew it. So. Okay. So definitely looking at it like a business. Definitely looking at it like a business. That's mm-hmm. the only mature way to do things. Okay. I think. Yeah. We now, agree with you. Now you got new music out, new constellation. So going back in the studio, how did you guys approach it? And was there any thought of people might expect this or our fans are going to want this? And how do you keep that from interfering with the creative process? You know, it's not so much what fans are going to expect as what our sort of gift is and what we are good at and making sure that the album represented that and even though we wanted to try some new things we didn't want to throw away what was good about the band yeah. I mean we've, we've got the interplay between the two guitars and three people singing in harmony those things work you know we initially approached it with the idea kind of like we had done the uh, all you want recordings uh, where we recorded the old songs again okay and um, we thought hey you know that worked pretty well we could produce this ourselves it was much harder producing new material okay. because we didn't have anything to say, hey, listen to this, you know, that's, that's the part that was on the record, we need to put that in there. Uh-huh. You know, we were creating new things. Yeah. So we found a friend, uh-huh. uh, his name is Michael Blue, and he produced uh, One Republic and Colby Calais and Jason Mraz and a bunch of people. He had a studio near us in Thousand Oaks. He was a huge fan and a friend of the band. And he had about a two-month window open around Christmas time about a year and a half ago. And he said, you know, let's just go in and do this thing, and I'll produce it. Wow. And it was a wonderful opportunity that fell in our laps, and we took it. Okay. And it sounds like it turned out to be a good collaboration. Oh, yeah. We're very happy with it. Awesome. Just in general, what's the tour been like with Counting Crows? It's been wonderful. Uh, it's a tough schedule. Uh, there's a lot of shows. Last the whole summer. We started June 11th, and we're about halfway done. They're a great bunch of people. They've got a wonderful crew and uh, people that, that make everything a lot of fun. You know, if we play our cards right, a, a bottle of Patron might show up in our dressing room. <laughs> All right. Gotta love that. Yeah. <laughs> now, where do you live? I live in Ventura, California, which okay. is about 30 miles south of Santa Barbara. And you, you've been doing some work in Nashville? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Todd Nichols, the uh, guitar player in Toad, he and I um, started taking trips to Nashville and working with songwriters that we knew there. And, uh, you know, we're learning how to write songs uh, from uh, the best people in the industry. Uh, okay. Now, is it a little bit different cracking the country side of things? 
you know, it is, especially now that country's kind of gone rap. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, right. I think that, you know, there's always the worry that what you like isn't uh, isn't fashionable, and who knew that that would come along? Right. Uh-huh. So I think uh, I think I'll just wait it out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Another good business decision. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, Dean. Well, thanks so much for visiting with us. It's been really fun getting to hear what it's like for Toad the Wet Sprocket. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you so much. Catch you later. Dean Dinning, bassist of Toad. And we'll be right back with a behind-the-scenes view of the music industry, famed songwriter Shelley Pikin. A special treat today, an in-depth interview with a hit songwriter. The Mulberry Lane Show. Nothing so loud Tearing when we lie Truth is not kind And you said neither am I And the air outside so soft 